Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We usually do the show live Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. This week, we're taking a week off of the Tuesday live show. So this is just a pre-record regular podcast, just like the old days, although our remote setup is uh, far superior to the old days. Our old remote setup was a phone system. Um, please follow this on your podcatcher of choice and make sure you're following us over there on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. And maybe get yourself a down ballot coffee mug in our swag shop. That's eplex.store. Down ballot coffee mug is only 12 bucks. And if you use the promo code now space, that's capital now dash capital space, all caps, you can get 10% off. And and then we don't make any money on the coffee mug, but you get the coffee mug. Um, I am producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. You can usually find me live here on Twitch. You could find me on Twitter, but you'll have to find that yourself. Um, and also patreon.com slash echoplex. We had a new patron this week, so we're pretty stoked on that. Sweet. Uh, this is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-E underscore councilman, or you can find me getting basic here on Down Ballot every Tuesday night, usually live at 7.30 p.m., followed by Local Love. Uh, stay tuned for Greatest Hits uh, Local Love package tonight uh, as we're uh, going uh, non-live variety this week. Um, but really excited to, to be here for you, listener. I uh, really hope you continue to download this podcast and share it with your friends and join us on Twitch because the live show is so much fun. You get to interact with us and talk shit about all the derp that we're, we're slinging. And there's plenty of local derp to go around usually on Downbound. That's why we're here, That's why the show exists. Um, so please share it. Um, and again, all derp is local. So it's not just about Bay Area. If you have any local uh, political derp you want to throw our way, you'd like us to cover, take a look at, please do. And we're not afraid to take a little sojourn, a little uh, trip to your neck of the woods and do a whole show around your locale. So please, if you have like a, a thread of, of nastiness happening, we want to hear about it. We want to know about it. We want to take a look at it. So, uh, That's right. Looking forward to, sorry, about looking forward to another great night with you. That's right. So what do we got for leading off this week? That's a great question. Well, um, there have been some polling recently, and uh, apparently Bay Area residents aren't feeling very like excited about like being in the Bay. Um, so we're going to hear more about that. And uh, apparently they, they did a live report from a, a local city um, that, that has its finger on the pulse of, of the Bay Area. People in the Bay Area are feeling more pessimistic about their future here than they did last year. A new poll published today in the Mercury News found many feel like we're headed in the wrong direction. NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau took the temperature of folks in Campbell tonight and found there is at least one bright spot. And that one silver lining is a byproduct of the pandemic. In a new poll of Bay Area residents, 67% say working from home has given them more control over their lives. Judy Goldman works from home and says she's enjoying the benefits. A balance, um, being able to be, to take short breaks, go out in nature, be with my dogs, um, uh, to have the quiet. But the poll by the Bay Area News Group and Joint Ventures Silicon Valley found few other bright spots in residents' outlook. More than half of people living in the Bay Area called crime an extremely serious problem. Another big concern, the rising cost of housing. Because I grew up here, um, down the street, and uh, it's, it's, it's hard to even fathom like buying a house here right now. He's not alone. The survey found 66% of renters say they worry they can never afford to buy a home. Homelessness was another top concern. I, I, I think in a country as well off as we are, 
there is no excuse for homelessness ever. It, it, it should not be a situation. And the worries don't stop there. 82% say they're concerned about the threat of wildfires. And six out of 10 people surveyed said they felt the Bay Area is on the wrong track. That too is up from last year. The question now is what can be done to help people in the Bay Area feel more optimistic about living here? That's something you can bet Bay Area business leaders and elected officials will have to address. Drought was also a concern echoed in the survey and one echoed when we talk with people here tonight. In Campbell, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. So, so the only reason people think crime is a problem is because uh, local news stations, for example, keep telling you about crime, but they don't ever mm-hmm. tell you that the the overall trend from the mid 90s to now has been downward especially on violent crime they never ever correct. ever 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 tell you that correct they just cover the next violent crime that they can find right the next uh, murder death kill and uh, they don't put it into context at all right other than to say oh well uh, we're you know approaching x number of whatever murder death kills this year or something which is a such percentage whatever higher or lower than last year right um but as you said on the whole um, I, I absolutely love this this piece, um, particularly Mr. Sharps, uh, the gentleman from Campbell that they found, um, who was probably waiting to get seated at a, a key or some uh, some place down there. Um, it, he said, you know, he says the the refrain that I've heard so many times that I wish I had a nickel for every time I've heard it because I'd be a freaking rich person, um, and I would buy all the housing to house everyone. Uh, he says, you know, in an area as affluent as ours. There's no reason why we can't figure out how to house people, right? And how to, how to solve homelessness, right? I guarantee you, Mr. Eric Sharps, I guarantee you he is first in line at public comment when the proposal is to build a tiny homes community or a sanctioned encampment or affordable housing or supportive housing in his neighborhood, in Campbell, right? Behind right. his house, right? He's first in line to say, no, 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 not appropriate here. Don't, no, don't put that here. I'm, oh, I'm supportive of housing our, you know, our neighbors, but, you know, not in my neighborhood, right? Um, every time, I, I could guarantee he's, he's there, first in line. Um, and he's not alone, and it's a very common refrain. Like I said, I'd be a rich person. So it, it gets me kind of sick to hear that. Um, but yeah, it's an issue. It's absolutely an issue, and it, it, there is no reason. He's right. There is no reason why we shouldn't be able to figure that out. Um, but it's because of people like him that we can't, and that's the disgusting thing. Uh, I mean, not for nothing, though, out of the places in the South Bay, Campbell is the one place that hasn't shied away from density. Like, they're, it's true. It's, I think, one of the, it's, I think it's denser, it's certainly denser than San Jose. And I don't, I don't know how it compares, like, overall, right? Like, there's certainly areas of San Jose, like downtown, that are denser, but you're right. I think in terms of uh, pulling your fair share, like pulling your weight, right? I think Campbell has certainly done that and is doing that. Um, Whereas cities like Saratoga, where their first you know speaker or, or quote was from, right? She was in Campbell, but she's from Saratoga. Um, they are not necessarily doing that. Like Saratoga actually has an ordinance prohibiting any building over like two stories, I think, or three stories in their downtown, right? Um, which pretty much means anywhere in the city. Um, so you're pretty much limited to two stories, no matter where you are in Saratoga. So there's no density happening in Saratoga, period, by law. Um, Los Gatos is similar. Doesn't necessarily have that draconian of a law, but yeah. I think Campbell and San, Campbell, San Jose, cities like that, Milpitas are pulling their shirt, their weight, um, and other cities do need to step up. Mountain View has been doing a decent job, I think. Um, but yeah, there's certainly some areas around the periphery of the valley where we need to have more support. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, but more to come on this. It's obviously a, 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 a greater issue. I'm, I'm not necessarily surprised that folks are feeling pessimistic. Like it's frustrating living um, in the Bay Area sometimes with the, I mean, with the cost of living, um, what it is, um, and just the, the lack of economic mobility. Um, it's absolutely frustrating for a lot of people. I don't know that Campbell necessarily has his finger on the pulse, but I, you know, uh, more so than other spots, let's just say. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, you know, I think when they do these things, it's always very general, right? Some of the people are mm. just going to, oh, we're going in the wrong direction. A lot of times it's implied that everybody agrees when they say that, oh, we're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. But, you know, those 60, so 60%, six out of 10 or whatever said the Bay Area is going in the wrong direction. Well, two out of 10 they might think that it's too liberal. You know, four, three out of those 10 might think the cost of living is too high. And then one of those people might think that crime is too high. And so right. it's like, they're not all like, they're not just because six out of 10 think it's going the wrong way. Doesn't mean those six out of 10 or whatever are going to all agree with one another. And it's often presented as if, as if people, I mean, they don't say it, but it's, they don't ever like bring up that there are a wide variety of reasons that people might believe that the Bay area is going in the wrong direction. Right. And I, I actually have started to respond uh, to polls. I get text texted poll uh, links quite a bit now um so mayoral race in san jose and other state races right and there's always a question about do you feel the state city county whatever are on the right or wrong track and it's a yes or no question and to me it's like that's a really nuanced question like to, i don't i couldn't i could say yeah we're on the right track with some things and we're completely off the rails on other things right as a city or whatever so there's a lot of nuance to it you're right and it's really hard to answer that question and it's really it's kind of like a lame question anyway right it doesn't really probe or get at any sort of deeper issue it's just sort of like how you feeling right and when you're asked you know we all ask each other how you doing when you know we see each other right it's sort of like a greeting uh, a friend of mine pointed this out to me yesterday it's not so much like a question or actually a legit you know concern or inquiry it's really just another greeting like yo what's up right what's up how you doing and we all say sort of fine or you know i'm good you know the dude abides right um when in reality the majority of the time, maybe not all the time, but the majority of the time, we're not fine, right? We might be like really good and we might be really, really bad. Um, but we just say fine because you know, we don't really think about it. Right. Um, you, you and never, that's, that, you never that's get this poll. When you say, right. how you doing to somebody, you never get, well, kind of dragging ass today, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, feel I mean, like I'll shit, tell you actually. that. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. Let oh. me tell you about it. I feel like absolute ass. Um, <laughs> you don't get that. And that's what this poll question gets you. It's, it gets you the, f I'm fine. You know, eh, you know, I, I guess, I guess they're on the right track. I guess we're on the right track. I don't know, but you know, whatever. Um, it's the whatever answer. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things, how this plays. Out. I want to, I'm curious to see how this plays out, uh, over time, uh, in our elections, especially too. this, this kind of sentiment and see, see if it does have much of an impact. So I think that's the kind of sentiment that you, you start to hear and it, it, it leads to apathy and it leads to lower turnout, right. In elections. So let's see if that tracks. Ah. Uh. So what do, we, what do we have first in uh, winners and losers? Well, we have a winner. I'll, I'll give you that. I, th I think that the, the subject of the story is a winner. The whole situation sucks. Um, and it sucks that she's had to go through such trauma to become a winner. But there is a winner here. And I wanted to make sure that we had a winner story. But uh, this, this is about uh, a success, somewhat of a success story in our uh, uh, attempts to house our unhoused neighbors. 
Today was deadline day for San Jose to clear out a sprawling homeless camp beneath the Mineta Airport flight path. Now we went by the Spring Street site today and as you can see it is completely empty. The FAA says it was just too dangerous for people to live there. And of the 250 people who did, the city says more than 170 have been placed into housing. KPX 5's Leonard Mirrors followed one formerly homeless woman as she transitioned into her new life. One of the losers is the, te the tech team on this story. Okay, here's your water. Um, take as many sandwiches as you want. Spend a few minutes with Kelly Goodman, nice. and it's clear she cares about the people she's serving. Hola, gente, ¿cómo estás? Bien, ya? Ya? Es buena comida hoy. And yes, I speak my bilingual. <laughs> she cares because it wasn't too long ago that she was one of the people being served. I was homeless for 19 years. Um, and it gets depressing. It's the worst thing anybody could ever imagine. I first met Kelly months ago when she was living out of her minivan. So there's not enough beds, not enough housing. Turns out that while we were talking that day, her own paperwork was moving through the county's office of supportive housing. Here we go. And you're about to see what happened next. Driving home. What's it like to be able to say that? <laughs> Brings tears to my eyes. Let's go home. Wanna go home? Let's go home. That's right. After almost two decades on the streets, Kelly and her dog Poppies are going indoors. Come on, baby. They got a studio apartment in Willow Glen. We were not allowed to film inside the building, but Kelly sent along these photos of the spacious studio and private bath. <laughs> but for someone like Kelly, the transition into safe and stable housing is not as easy as it looks. It was a shell shock at first. Um, I was absolutely unprepared for the total change in lifestyle. The quiet, it, um, you don't hear gunshots and you don't hear people fighting and you're not worried about if there's a fire next door, you're gonna lose everything or rats or, you know, it, I don't worry about that. I, it would, you know, it was, it took it took me you know about a week to get okay this is this is what normal people this is how they live oh my goodness <laughs> i'd almost forgotten kelly was identified and prioritized for housing assistance through a system called vi spadat and it's a tool it's an assessment tool that every community uses within um, this area to help triage the most urgent and vulnerable needs for participants. Abode, the nonprofit which is housing Kelly, says dozens of the most vulnerable people on the streets are being housed every month in Santa Clara County. Folks are continually being placed in housing, but oftentimes if we place one person in housing, another three are experiencing homelessness within the course of that same day. You want a bag? Want some food? Which is why Kelly returns to her old camp at least twice a week. She's found that helping her former neighbors is just the therapy she needed to help her adjust to her new life. I come out here to give them hope, to let them know that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. In San Jose, Len Ramitas, KPIX 5.
Kelly's new apartment is a temporary placement and she does pay an adjusted rent. She and her service providers are working on a plan to move her into a permanent place. Well, not everyone was as lucky as Kelly. About 100 people from the Spring Street camps shifted over to nearby Columbus Park. And what was once an empty baseball field is now filled with RVs and cars, but they won't be able to stay there for very long. The city has given them until mid-November to go somewhere else. Great. <laughs> How magnanimous of the city. Yes. Um, and the city can talk about, you know, oh, well, we've got deadlines of our own to deal with and blah, blah, blah. A lot of it's actually around funding. Um, the FAA, um, uh, the this encampment is in the airport fly path, and the FAA basically pays Santa, or, you know, gives Santa Jose grant funding or funding to basically keep the land vacant um, for safety reasons, quote unquote. Uh, and so San Jose is using that as a reason to expedite, you know, the clearing of the encampment because they, you know, the FAA has given us a deadline, um, to clear it. So therefore we have to clear it. Otherwise we lose our FAA funding. And I would just tell the FAA to go fuck themselves personally, but that's me. I'm not a council member nor, nor the mayor, um, much as my Twitter moniker might say, say otherwise, um, doesn't really get me anywhere. <laughs> they don't listen to my 26 followers. Um, so yeah, this is just, this. It's a lose-lose situation for a lot of folks. It is true, though. People like Kelly have been rehoused, and we have had a lot of success stories. It's just that, as they say, it um, more folks keep experiencing homelessness than we can we can house. So, um, but good on her, um, and good on her getting a spot in Willow Glen. Um, I'm sure that was a struggle to get that wherever she's being housed. Right? I'm sure it's not in the heart of Willow Glen. I bet you it's at Willow Glen adjacent, but wherever she's at, I have a pretty good idea where. Um, it was probably a struggle with the neighborhood to get it built in the first place. So. Um, so good, good on her. And I'll take a sandwich any day. Those look good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't stop by. I, I don't need the sandwich. So I would, I would, I would not take a sandwich from there. I would not take sure. food from, but, uh, if there was extra, yeah, I'd take her, I'd take a sandwich. Like everybody I else. Mean, she, had she eaten, was going to throw like, it out. You know? Yeah. If everybody else had eaten, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'll try a sandwich. Right. <laughs> well, that was, that was the thing. It's interesting. Um, the approach that they take. I went to, I volunteered just like one time. I've volunteered many times in uh, meal kitchens, soup kitchens, and they will absolutely like the proprietors, organizers, uh, supervisors will al always offer you a meal for yourself to take home, right? When you volunteer. And it's the most awkward moment ever because I can absolutely afford, you know, to pay my, to, to feed myself. I have plenty of food at home. If I go home, I can cook myself a, my own dinner. Um, and yet it's like, they don't, that's just not how they think. They just think, no questions asked if you if you're hungry you're hungry you want dinner here have dinner um we've well, got it if i mean if, they, if the day's over and there's still food left they're gonna they're not gonna they're gonna they're gonna that's true they don't want to waste that one not yeah they're, they're gonna throw it away and like why wouldn't you because you just spent all day like you know working to feed other people why not you know right. use yeah, some I mean, of that they, food they, they, and some of the, your own labor to feed yourself especially if you're like single or whatever if you know i mean you're you you, you have a family now but if, if you're single or whatever hell yeah Oh, I brought, I definitely brought a meal home for my, my pregnant wife <laughs> last time I volunteered. So, um, no, yeah, absolutely. It, I, I, it's not like I don't take advantage of it either. Um, if you're going to offer it, I don't like to waste, waste not, want not. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I just never want to feel like I'm taking something off of someone else's plate. Right. Um, anyway, uh, good on Kelly. Um, bad in the city, bad in the FAA. Let's get some shit done for people. Bad on the NIMBYs for not building more, letting us build more of these tiny homes and affordable housing. Like, we even had just recently, right? We had a story about another neighborhood bitching about uh, 
uh, tiny homes coming to their neighborhood, right? And they park it in, oh, well, it's a park, it's parkland, it's future parkland, so we can't have temporary housing here, right? Um, but it's really because they don't want the, they don't want the housing period. So. Well, I mean, yeah. it seems to me the solution, I don't, I'm, the solution is the housing projects. That's it. That's the solution is government housing projects. The problem is, and I've said this a million times, the problem is what happened on the East Coast with housing projects is the problem that these projects were built when they were first built. They were just like any other apartment complex. They, there may have been things that were less expensive. They weren't like a luxury apartment complex, mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. were a normal apartment complex. And then because mm -hmm. poor people lived there. The, the city that was supposed to be the city or the county or the state or whoever it was that was supposed to be keeping these places in good repair that kept going down their their priority list and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden these were shitty places to live because nobody was mm -hmm. maintaining them they weren't getting a mm -hmm. fresh coat of paint every once in a while if you moved into one uh, the, the you know was there still carpet i don't know was there originally right. carpet they weren't being like remodeled reworked like like a regular They're apartment leaks. And so they end up being yeah. the ghetto. And so the now projects, right? Right. And then people, yeah, now. And so people associate these places with like horrible squalor and bad living conditions. And then it, instead of being like, boy, it would have been nice if the state of Maryland or whatever would have kept these places up and, you know, we're California and we can do this and we can do it right. It's like they blame the people who live there, essentially mm -hmm. blame mm -hmm. the people who live there, the poor people who live there because yep. the the people who had the money and had the ability to maintain the place didn't as a, as a renter, it is not your job to do maintenance on the property. Mm -hmm. In fact, you're, you're usually prohibited from doing maintenance on your own property. You're in your, well, your in, unit even insurance reasons. Yeah. They don't want you, right. they don't, they don't want you, they don't want you fixing things there. And there's, Correct, there's, yeah. there's places where people have deals with their landlords or whatever, but that stuff's usually bad anyway. Best yeah. advice to anybody, any maintenance is needed, call the landlord and call them now. And if they don't, if they don't do it, start, start calling other people, start calling, start calling the city, the county, be like, Hey, the landlord here ain't, ain't maintaining my property. The problem yeah, there, there becomes the there. problem there in public housing becomes you're calling the county. Well, you're calling the county on the county or you're calling right. the city on the city. Or you're calling the county right. on the city or the city on the county. And you know, it's, it's, it's big brother. It's, it's the government there. And, it's just, it's just so messed up what happened with those, with all the housing projects. And it just ruined the idea of public housing. Whereas in other countries, European countries, there are, I think in the UK, you can get public housing and it's just an apartment where they called council mm -hmm. flats or whatever. Is that what they, mm -hmm. is that what that is? I think they call, I think that's what it's called where it's like subsidized by the government. I know they do it in Northern Europe, in Germany, mm -hmm. they have public housing, France, they have public housing. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. nobody's looked down upon if they live there. It's just a place mm -hmm. to live if you're a working person. And here in America, we fucking we fucked it up. We fucked mm -hmm. it up so bad in New York, Baltimore, Chicago, and a place like the Bay Area. Maybe we could do it right, but we'd probably fuck that shit up here too. Yeah. Well, we are doing it. I mean, the the government subsidizes housing all the time. Like we're building housing constantly. We just and all of us just passed a bond in our county recently for like almost a billion dollars to 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 spend on on housing projects um and but the uh, the 
situation is it's not it's not the county or the city that's your landlord here almost every situation here it's a nonprofit. it's it's a nonprofit that the city is partnering with not and this is absolutely not to bad mouth nonprofits at all um it's a part nonprofit the city is partnering with and gets into a relationship with to manage the property right because the city doesn't want to get in the habit of being property managers um for good reason uh however some nonprofits better than others at maintaining their spaces right and like just as with the projects in on the east coast one of these developments, one of these projects, you know, gets into some disrepair. One of the nonprofits neglects their duties and all of the others are spoiled and all the other future projects are spoiled with the community, right? Because they, that just keeps getting run over and over and over again. Like the violent crime on the local news that gets run over and over and over again, even though there's not a main, you know, an ongoing concern. Um, and suddenly everyone's turned against what are actually really reasonable, really nice, in some cases, really, really nice projects, like places with dignity where you would want to live, right? Where you would not be afraid to like have your grandmother or your mom go live, right? Um, really nice places. But a few bad apples, of course, spoils the the, the, per, the public perception. Um, and and it, so you get, you get that blowback. And not for nothing, the public perception isn't like, well, this sucks that these people have to live in this place. The public perception is this is an eyesore. And that, right. that's like, okay, sure, maybe it's an eyesore, but that's not the actual problem. <laughs> like, the mm -hmm. actual problem yeah. isn't that you think it's ugly. The actual problem right. is that someone's living there and their sh their shit isn't getting repaired. Right. Um, or more, a lot, a lot of times what happens is there's just not a lot of property management going on live, and so you end up with, yeah, there's, there's tenants who are engaging in some shady shit and, you know, drug deals happening outside and shit going down, you know, in and around the, the place. And that happens, that happens in any city, right? In any development, whether it's, you know, affordable housing or home, uh, supportive housing, whatever section eight or not. Um, like gated however, communities? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, but nobody but, even notices it because like somebody, somebody drives up, enters the code, drives their Maserati into the gated community, yeah. drops off the yeah. fucking, drops <laughs> off a big pile, or just drops off a big pile of dope to the middleman who happens to live in the gated community. 100%. Yeah, but but it's not out in the open. It's, not, it's certainly not brown, you know, brown people. It's all the Tony white blonde people. So yeah, uh, that's that's exactly what goes down. And and it makes it every time it happens and every every time one of these projects, quote unquote, fails, it just makes or not fails, but just it comes up a little short or causes some ire, then it, it just leads to problems and, and more tr struggle getting new projects online. Um, and one of the mayoral candidates right now is making a big big deal out of like government doesn't get things done fast enough or efficiently enough and it's like well bro guess what like government has to respond to the people right and if the you know you have to do a, you have to do a better job of bringing the people along and bringing them getting them on board with this shit all you're doing is fanning the flames right fanning the flames and then you say oh well government can't get shit done we can't get enough uh housing in our community well guess what you're the one going on twitter and facebook and uh, with online ads, getting people all afraid of violent crime and and the safety of our city being at risk, and and uh, you know, uh, weren't telling people we, we need to, you know, force people to accept the housing options that we give them, right? Um, you're part of the problem and the solution at the same time. You can't, not, not possible. And not for not for nothing. Yeah. Like it's not like it's not like crime doesn't happen on streets with a bunch of single family homes where most people are homeowners and stuff. But you don't ever. You don't ever hear cries for, well, let's get rid of the single family homes because there were two drug busts on a street with a bunch of single family homes, right? Right. You don't hear it for that reason. We are actually pretty much eliminating new single family 
zoning and housing. Well, there's no room uh, for it in California. Yeah, exactly. That's the reason. It's not. It's not because of that. Uh, that reason is because there's physically just it's not going to happen anymore, and there's too much already. So anyway, we should move on. But um, and that's one. It's just a, an issue that uh, it, I don't want to call it intractable because it's not intractable. We can solve it, but it's just kind of something we're going to keep exploring here on this show and and in our local politics. All right. Well, moving right along. Um, speaking of the downtrodden and the folks who are living in less than quality conditions, folks in East Palo Alto are a little concerned about the water that they're getting out of their tap. And I would be too if it looked like this. It's a visual that's difficult to look at. The water East Palo Alto residents say they're getting when quality is at its worst. That's when the pipes are being cleaned out. You usually don't get a notice when they do. Um, we, Whenever we turn on the water and it's brown, um, we just have to wait until and uh, let the water run until it's clean again. The discolored water, just part of the complaints local organization Nuestra Casa collected in a survey that was just published this week. It was part of a larger report done between 2017 and 2021 that aims to get grant money to improve water structure in underserved communities. It found more than 700 East Palo Alto residents saying that they're concerned about their water quality and aging water infrastructure. Whenever I shower, my eyes are burned. Um, I have a lot of hair loss now. Um, I don't cook with the water. We buy uh, water bottles um, to drink and use for cooking. The survey found that more than 75% of respondents buy bottled water for cooking and drinking. 55% did not feel their drinking water is safe. Nuestra Casa says the survey opened up an important opportunity for residents to have their voices heard. The families are uh, taking the initiative how they can uh, advocate for, for them, for the, themselves, because it's important to know what is the next steps for them. The survey has caught the attention of local leaders. We reached out to the city of East Palo Alto, whose city manager sent us a report that's set to go before their city council on Tuesday. It explains that the city contracts a water operator who oversees quality standards. The actual water received comes from the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. The report says the water has to pass through an old water system owned by the city and also aged pipes owned by the residents, which may lead to the water becoming discolored. They say any water issues can be reported by residents and will be investigated. San Mateo County Supervisor David Canapa says federal and local governments have to step up. We need to allocate funding so that they can develop a comprehensive plan to fix this aging aging infrastructure. Now, in response to the survey, the city says it's holding a public meeting about its water system on November 17th. And then on Tuesday, the city council is set to approve $8.5 million for a new water plan master system. In the South Bay, Zach Fuentes, ABC7 News. So that's crazy because I remember just a few times, but I remember stuff being on my door when I lived in Campbell, just taped to my door. This day, you may need to run your water for a while because we're doing work on the water mains. And mm -hmm. those were the only times we had brown water. Mm -hmm. right. We were alerted and it wasn't the city. It was like whatever, whatever group was doing the, the war, whatever group, whatever company or whatever had their letterhead on it. So right. I think like, I think like part of this is the city government because those companies weren't doing that out of the goodness of their hearts. That takes time and costs money. Right. So the city was forcing them to do that Correct. or they More wouldn't likely. have been doing it. And so like just giving people a heads up when something like that's going to happen gives them an opportunity to 
oh, oh you're going to be doing water. Oh, I was going to be making, you know, I was going to be cooking that day. And so the people can plan ahead and get some bottled water or be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to, I'll cook the day before or, mm-hmm. oh, I'll, I'll, I'll shower before I go to bed. Cause I know they're going to be doing some work on the, on the pipes and maybe I won't be able to shower right. in the morning. And then that right. gives people confidence in the water quality because they know when the water coming out of their pipes is going to be bad, but not only they know that it's going to be bad, they know exactly why and who is doing the work. <laughs> like, right. Who is responsible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's no surprise that this is happening in East Palo Alto, right? Where they're getting this kind of, the residents are getting uh, the short end of the stick here. If this was happening across two eight or across one Oh one in Palo Alto proper, right. It would not be happening there. Um, so, only in East Palo Alto. Uh, so uh, absolutely they should be concerned and they should be uh, lobbying for, for change. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just another example, I think, of um, you know of equity issues, right? Um, I'm pretty sure Palo Alto is getting their water from around the same sources. So Yeah, and I, if there's, in. I guarantee the city of Palo Alto steps on some of these companies. 100%. And, and, and makes them put, do the same thing. Give people notice and, when, because again, if you know the water is going to be bad one day and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I do remember seeing something about that. Now you don't think the water is bad. Now you think there's people doing work on the pipes. Yeah. Well, this is like ongoing. Like people are buying like big old jugs of water to cook with. Right. So that's, this is something where it's like, it's every day it's, or they're dealing with it. So, um, but yeah, but they need, they need at least some, some answers better than, you know, oh, well, aging infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> man, my water's brown, dude. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear anything about that. Like, I do know that my, you know, the infrastructure in my particular house is aging and we don't have, we have hard water, right? I understand. I have, I, I have expectations. Like you said, I know what to expect when I open my tap. I should not be surprised like, like that with like brown nastiness, unless there's some sort of legit explanation for it other than, oh, well. Also, like, I think where, where I live, like the infrastructure just isn't that old. I think all the, everything was built in like the seventies and eighties where I lived mm-hmm. in Campbell. So oh, sure. aging infrastructure, isn't really a thing there. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, most, most places in the Bay area, too, uh, I think are in a similar place. Um, well, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously. Uh, but speaking of, uh, the equity gap, uh, there's now, <laughs> and, and the debate over housing, um, our next, what is this story? our docket here the next story um we take uh, takes us back to the lovely tony suburb of hillsborough on the peninsula where we last uh when we last encountered hillsborough they were the residents were up in arms about the flintstones house you recall this and the Uh, all of the there was dinosaurs and there was decoration quite the saga quite this was we talked about it for months we did so this is the same uh suburb hillsborough and they're a little concerned with how they are being forced to, to implement and to add more housing to their city because it's new state laws. So they're trying to figure out a ways to, you know, get around it and maintain the character of their community. So we'll hear more about what the mayor especially thinks about this prospect. Drive along the quiet streets of Hillsborough and you might never know a battle was brewing. Thanks to state law, every city and town in California will soon be required to build a certain number of affordable housing units. While many places are building several forms of housing, Hillsborough wants to fulfill most of its requirement with accessory dwelling units or ADUs. ADUs are typically small spaces built on private property. We do not want to put the lives of our citizens at risk to what I would call ill-advised multi-unit high-density units. 
Al Royce is the mayor of Hillsborough. Yeah, you can pause it if you want to. <laughs> what do you mean the lives of our citizens at risk? What is it? What does he mean? Do we, what, what risk? Are the, what? Yeah, he's going to get into it a little bit, but it's still very vague. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily understand where he's coming from. But apparently I mean, I do. You know, people might die. I, if I, they create more affordable. I housing. understand. What, what, what's the issue? Uh, the, black people live in apartments and in dense areas. It'll be the inner city. The council. Oh, that's ends. right. And they they would like kill all the white people and take their women. That and that's it would destroy the character of our city because there would be more, too many people. Uh, too de- uh, the the water uh, traffic. Fuck. Um, buses. Well, would, we, the- would buses start showing up here? I think it has something to do with building on hillsides and like the potential for like you know disaster. But I, I you can let the mayor explain for himself. I, I don't want to put words. The lack of land available for development make it difficult to build other. Did you see when they said the lack of land available for development, and while it was they were just panning across this giant A field big park. Yeah. <laughs> housing. Royce tells ABC 7 News in addition to those concerns, many people in Hillsborough also want to preserve the town's unique character. That view seemed to be echoed by many who showed up for public comment at a town meeting Monday night. Please do not give in to the pressure of having a gun to your head by the state or by activists. But not everybody agrees with Hillsborough's proposal and some housing advocates say they don't even think it will get approved by state regulators. To my knowledge, no uh, municipality in California as of yet has had a plan that is, you know, so overwhelmingly comprised of ADUs uh, approved by the state. Jordan Grimes is a housing advocate in the peninsula. He believes as it stands, Hillsborough's proposal does little to address the region's housing crisis and says most units will probably be difficult to rent out. There's no way to ensure their affordability. It, it really is um, unfortunately, just a way to uh, try and skirt those state requirements. Hillsborough has until January 30th to submit their proposals and make any changes that may be required by the state. If they fail to meet that deadline, the town runs the risk of facing thousands of dollars worth of fines every day. In Hillsborough, Tim Johns, ABC 7 News. It's, yeah, they just don't, what, I, can't they just build some fucking apartments? Don't give in to the to the gun held to your head by the state or the activists. Um, it's not a gun to your head. It's called the law. It's actually the law that you have to comply with. You actually have to do this. Um, we talked earlier about you know cities like Saratoga pulling their their weight. Right, you're all now required. They're required to do it, and every city like Hillsborough and Saratoga is looking for ways to not do it. Right, to not densify, to not create more. Right, to do just enough. Right, just enough. As a, and again, going back to like the first city we talked about as a former resident of Campbell, Campbell is a desirable place and there is plenty yes. of dense housing to go along with the single family housing. There right. are, there are, it's not necessarily affordable in all cases, but no. throwing in like an Avalon in Hillsdale isn't going to ruin Hillsdale even though that's right. not going to really be affordable housing, like just throwing in a few apartment complexes with the requisite amount of affordable housing isn't going to do anything to Hills- Hillsboro. And I think no. the affordable housing thing is like, you know, what's a, what it would be affordable housing in Hillsboro. It would be a slight, would be a, an extremely different rent number than in say Shasta County. It's based sure. on like, the existing conditions in the area that's what we, how the how the affordability is determined 
And right. so it's so there's still not it's not going to be like cheap housing. It's just going to be like some of these people's some of these people who live in Hillsborough, Hillsborough, their kids are going to be able to afford to get an apartment in Hillsborough later after they finish college and come back and move to Hillsborough and get a, get an apartment. Well, that's that's who's going to be living in all these ADUs, Producer Dave, is everyone's grandma, uncle, son, daughter, cousin, right? It's not going to be like, you know, they're not going to go, go down to the shelter and say, hey, bro, I've got a free ADU in my backyard. You want to come live with me? Um, so that, and that's why it's going to get rejected if it's just ADUs, because it's not it's not inclusive. It's not it's not a situation where you're really being welcoming or you're really doing anything to solve the problem because those are just going to be expensive as units. And yes, you're right. Like it's there's gradations within affordable housing. There's extremely low income. There's below below or the, there's low income, extremely low income. Uh, and so, you know, you can still end up with places that are not all that affordable in the greater scheme of things. Um, like if you were coming from the Midwest or somewhere, you'd probably freak out. Um, but it's affordable for here. It's affordable for Hillsborough, right? Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Jordan, the activist from Peninsula for everyone. Um, it's going to, yeah, this will probably get rejected by the state if they try to pull something like that. And, but I do like the, the notion that it's life or death. And, I housing mean, is a life or death. Situation. Not for nothing, like Mountain View's dense and it's a desirable place to live. Like, Oh, absolutely. And getting like, denser. It's, it's, it keeps getting denser. Sunnyvale's yeah. struggling with this, but Sunnyvale, you don't see people freaking out in Sunnyvale. What you see is apartments and condos getting put up in Sunnyvale. Sure, you do see some people, right? And you see the same, the thing, my issue is you see the same people in every city. Every city has their NIMBYs. Every city has NIMBYs. And the question comes down to, you've got elected officials who make these decisions in the final analysis, right? The staff and the city staff that work full-time on this, they know what to do. They know they know what the problem is. They've they've come up with great solutions generally, right? Like they're 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 the idea people. They they're ready to implement, but they can't implement without the political will from the city council or from the leadership, right? And if the leadership is swayed by the small small, you know, fringe minority of people who are just really loud, right, and wave signs and th make threats, if they're swayed by them, and they don't listen to you know common sense or the greater the greater good then yeah, we get stuck and we don't get what we, we don't get solutions. We don't get to where we need to be because it's, we just get behind. So it's, it's held up by these folks that feel like they're, they're the ones with the gun to their head from the activists and the, the NIMBY activists, not from the, uh, the housing advocates. And that's why we're not making progress. Right. Everyone says they want to solve it, but no one wants to actually do it. I mean, also like the, the people who call themselves YIMBYs could do a little bit better job of not being fucking annoying. Yes, that's also true. <laughs> it's also also true. Um, both sides can be a little bit fringy and a little bit extreme. And I think we need, what we need is more rational. The problem with government, of course, is that the people who are most rational, the people who really have, um, you know, quote unquote, I keep saying common sense, even though it's a trigger word right now in the mayor's race. But honestly, like they have, they have just basic, a basic understanding of how things work, right? Most of those people just go about their lives and they don't get engaged one way or the other, right? They're like, okay, fine. Nothing's, you know, nothing's really going that bad. They're the people who would say, well, we're on the right track, right? I guess I'm fine, right? Um, we don't hear from them. We don't engage with them. We don't consider them. And yet they're the ones that vote, right? And they're the ones that do all the things. So it would be beneficial, I think, to, to put into context when you hear the NIMBYs and the negative Nancys out there and the Karens, put it into context, like, how many of them there are and how many people there are out there who are not like them at all. Right. And who don't well, subscribe to that. And in that story of, about Hillsborough, you heard from people complaining about the city council, but they didn't have anybody from Hillsborough who was like, well, 
if this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. Our community needs to adapt and I've grown up here and this is a mm -hmm. good, this is a good place. And I'd like to, you know, I'd, I'd love it if more people could live here. Like you don't we hear from that people. person is that, that, yeah. that doesn't, what is that? If it bleeds, it leads that don't bleed. Yeah, it's not sexy on the news, right? You can get that person to, it would be good to get that person to show up to public comment, right? It would be good for the activists to get like the MBs who are annoying, get those people to show up for them and give their talking points. That would, I think, come come across a little better too. Um, but yeah, we absolutely need more people who are like, I've lived here for 50 years and I absolutely want this in my community, right? Because I'm sick and tired of hearing, I've lived here for 50 years and this is not the San Jose I grew up. <laughs> right, somebody needs to go up there and just be like, I've lived here for 50 years just like you have and I'm not crazy and I don't think the town's never going to change. Right, right. Where's that person, right? Where's the, where's the person God, who's like, help me. it's delusional to think that this place will never change. What are you talking about? Like where? They exist. They're out there somewhere. They're and, out there somewhere. Uh, just like, just cities that have like, there's just cities that have just rejected NIMBYism. Uh, Fremont, California rejected it too. The Fremont used to just be all single family homes. Now there's mm -hmm. apartment complexes everywhere. Right. It was a and, big yeah. deal for them to build a downtown and build dense housing. They still haven't finished it yet because they're, it's not because people are opposing it. It's just because they suck at it for some reason. Yeah. But over by BART, there's no... There aren't any single family houses next to Bart anymore. It's all, nope. it's all, you know, Dense. and they're like low rises too. They're not just like two stories. They're like low rises. They're like yeah. mid rises and stuff. And so you, yeah. you can see communities where that it's the, the nimbyism, at least in certain parts of town where it makes sense, like next to the transit hub, the nimbyism has just been rejected and dense housing has gone in. And mm -hmm. with that dense housing comes opportunities for uh, commerce, business, coffee shops, uh, restaurants like how do you think nice restaurants show up somewhere they don't mm -hmm. show up somewhere just because there's a few rich people there they show up there because there's a lot of people there and that once you get enough people somewhere even if it's not a super rich area there's going to be enough demand for like a nice restaurant to, sh to come in you know because there's then market. There'll, there'll be enough people that have enough special occasions or whatever i don't think that mm -hmm. the, i don't think these people get it it's 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 just so crazy it's so crazy and this hillsboro thing is is it's like the perfect example um yeah. you know there there might be places where it's not going to work like we've been to a couple times we've been to ben loman i don't know how they would build an apartment complex there right like a big apartment complex <laughs> in ben loman but that's because right. it's like in the middle of the middle of the mountains well and they're and the numbers they're going to have to meet to meet these state standards are nowhere near that right they, they'd probably have to build like three extra units because right, right. it's such a, it, because it's of the nature of the town right right whereas hillsborough is it's not like it's it's some you know uh, up in the mountains somewhere right some some it's right some off bird. the freeway it's right through it's in the middle of of silicon valley to some extent right so it's yeah uh they're if they're different right don't move standards. to a megalopolis if you don't want to live in a megalopolis sorry oh but i moved here before it was a megalopolis Oh well, again, it's delusional for you to think it's never going to change. My great grandpappy, my great grandpappy bought this house, panning for uh, gold, panning for gold. My granddaddy planted this tree. Well, speaking anyway. speaking of places with a bunch of obnoxious rich people, we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to do follow up on the uh, Los Gatos sex party mom. Just real quick, um, this mom was. You know how, like, when you were a kid, there was, like, the cool parents where they'd let you smoke weed, maybe in their garage mm -hmm. or even in their living room? Well, this lady right. took that to the extreme, and she had, like, full-on sex and blow parties for, for like, little, little extra. For, the, for the popular kids at the school. So she wanted to be the popular kid, but she was a mom. 
It wasn't even or necessarily she, for her kids' friends. She was. It was like a. She wanted it to be a status thing for you to get invited to a party at her house when you're in high school, and she's a whole ass adult. <laughs> Well, it could also be that she was trying to get her son or her child more status, right? Too, right? right. Like make it be in the stage in the cool parties to get him on the on the everyone's radar. Anyway, we yeah, So she's back in court and pleaded not guilty. Wouldn't you believe? I I'm stunned. I'm shocked. Going out of control parties for underage teenagers just appeared before a judge in San Jose to enter a plea. NBC Bay Area's Barbara Dell was inside the courtroom this morning. What does she have to say? Well, good morning to you, Laura. Yes, Shannon O'Connor did enter a plea of not guilty in Department 44 in the Hall of Justice behind me here in San Jose. This is video from earlier this morning of O'Connor in the courtroom with her attorney. She's been in jail for the past year after authorities arrested her in connection uh, with what they say were alcohol-fueled sex parties for young teenagers at the home she once owned in Los Gatos. The district attorney has charged O'Connor with dozens of crimes, including child endangerment and sexual battery, from allegations she encouraged and watched sex acts among the younger aged kids. One young victim was at the hearing this morning and turned down an opportunity to address the court. Afterwards, we did speak with a mother who says her daughter was victimized by O'Connor when she was just 14 or 15 years old. She has good days and bad days. I'm trying to let her be a regular teenager. I'd like her to forget about all of this, but we can't, right? Because we have to make sure that this woman is accountable for the crimes she committed and the people she manipulated and hurt and took advantage of. And they were all children, including her own. Um, and she's a real monster. She is a menace to society. She is a master manipulator and she should not be on the streets. We asked O'Connor's attorney off camera what his defense will be for his client. He said he isn't willing to present that to us at this time. The parties allegedly took place in 2020. O'Connor wasn't arrested until last fall after she had moved to Idaho. In February, the judge ruled she should remain in custody until her case concludes. O'Connor's next court appearance is scheduled for December 12th. January 23rd is when the preliminary hearings will begin. Reporting live here in San Jose, Bob Riddell, NBC Bay Area News. Yeah. And you see the other lady, she's like, eh. Yeah, and Laura Garcia, just as, as backstory, Laura Garcia has teenage children too, so that's <laughs> the, the anchors, that's a little rougher. I mean, she's, she's right. right. She's right. Yeah, she's absolutely right. No, I, and I mean, I, I love this plea of no, not guilty because it might be a little bit hampered by the fact that I believe when she went to Idaho, she also hosted drunken sex parties and was busted in Idaho, or at least like maybe like living in... Uh, uh, under assumed name or you know uh, squall squatting or something like that there was some sort of bust you know in idaho that happened that that um caused her to be extradited back here i think she was having drunken sex parties there too so it's not like that's going to help her case you know i, I was uh it was just an isolated incident you know i was just trying to, to do a thing or a thing in los gatos make i was trying to make los gatos great again so the fact that she entered a plea of not guilty and there hasn't even been like preliminary hearings and stuff, that's actually not uncommon. Um, they, no. There may be like negotiation going on. The fact that the lawyers weren't like to the press, oh, our defense is going to be exactly this. Uh, that's what, of course. Yeah. There's there's, there's more likely some, some talking happening, um, but uh, I don't know if she has a pot to piss in, frankly. So we'll, we'll see if the state's willing to play ball and just to, just to get it expedited on behalf of the victims, right? Um, but I imagine the victims and the parent that that one mom is definitely <laughs> not interested in in going light. She's ready to to hang this woman. Um, 
in the public square. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, there's, you know, like, I mean, my parents were fairly lenient on that kind of stuff. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They mostly just didn't want me and my friends out driving drunk and shit. So, like, mm-hmm. if you're gonna do this, I guess you're gonna do it here in the garage. Yeah, right. And then like d- you, you know, said, don't let your friends leave here drunk. But they weren't like out there being like, "Here, have some Jello shots." You know, go take your clothes off. You know, like, aren't right. isn't anybody here gonna fuck? You know, right? <laughs> they were like more <laughs> Who like, "Can I watch?" <laughs> they were more like apprehensive about the whole thing, but like engaged right. in harm reduction because they knew me and my friends were drinking and smoking weed and shit. And so, like, yeah. that's like the, the cool parents. And this lady was just like. This lady was the problem. She wasn't doing the harm reduction. She was doing the harm. Yeah, I must be entertained. Who's going to fuck him while I watch? Oh my um, god. Well, well. So, hope, well, I, to be honest with you, I actually hope that the police sticks and that um, she's and that, that we go to a full on courtroom battle over this. I really want to. Hear, I want. I, I do want to hear that. I hope they. I, I'm sorry for the victims, hope, but I do want to hear the net. I hope they details. live stream the the trial like they're doing with alex jones oh. this is i mean this oh. would, this would go national so quick if it was like if it was live streamed people would be just glued oh. to it i do feel i mean i do absolutely feel bad for the victims and i wouldn't want them re-victimized by any means but yeah that they would be very interesting to get more detail out of the story of what, what actually happened and how this went down because the local news is never going to probe and find it out for us so it's going to take a court a courtroom battle and this is definitely right, some, well, I, this is definitely something to keep an eye on the progress is going to be slow okay. but this story is so shocking that anytime anything happens in this story the local news is going to pick up on it it could we could almost do it uh maybe a separate like serial uh down ballot about this one story yeah, if we had time <laughs> that'd be like once it once it concludes that's not the worst idea in the world because yeah, it'll be a couple yeah. years till it's done so your baby won't be For so sure. small anymore and maybe you'll have a little you'll have a little you'll have a little time a little yeah little serial Little, little uh, short short run series or whatever they call those things now, um, a, a serial, a serial, a serial show, oh, a serial podcast. All right, well, hey, we do need to move on. Um, and someone needs to get their shit together. And apparently, it's a bunch of these big corporate campuses around uh, the South Bay that you are skirting. Say. Yeah, right. They're skirting their water conservation uh, pledges, um, and the water police are going to start to crack down. Valley Water knows that the first few weeks will be an educational period for them, letting business owners know what the new rules are, and they hope it doesn't get to the point where they have to start issuing fines. The areas around San Jose's high-tech corridor is surrounded by beautiful, lush green grass. The only problem is that grass, called decorative landscaping, is supposed to be turning brown by this point. That's because on September 13th, Valley Water put these areas on their water ban list, meaning it could issue fines if a company doesn't turn off the sprinklers. We do have people that call us and tell us that X X number of businesses are not complying. In fact, our camera spotted this on North 1st Street one morning. Sprinklers on. I know exactly where that is. (laughs) It's fucked up, but I've worked over there so long that I know exactly where that is. That's like, I don't know what the name of the company is, but it's between like Tasman where Aptina is and that old, mm-hmm. um, that old hacker building. Um, anyway, I know exactly where that is. But he was aware of the new rules. The office manager told me she was not and alerted her property manager who said they will correct the issue. Valley Water says so far it has received 12 complaints about different properties violating the new rules in Santa Clara County. Yes, there will be a letter that goes out eventually it could be a lock on the door and it could get even more severe than that but we're hopefully that the water district won't ever reach that level they might ring the doorbell 
buildings that have turned to drought resistant plants instead of grass like the county government building also on North First Street. I think it's great. This shopper says it's great and the way to save the environment. Oh, it's an ongoing concern. I mean, I went up to Lake Shasta uh, the other day and I've never seen it so low. I mean, it's real. Oh, there's a lot of other stuff going on up there, lady. <laughs> so the world hopes to see more brown around the county soon as it tries to manage the drought emergency. Damien Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. Yeah, this is going to be a pass the buck situation where it's the business owners aren't the ones uh, watering the lawn. It's going to be the property management companies. And these property management companies are oftentimes run by these like international conglomerates. And mm-hmm. good luck getting them to give you any money. Like, good yeah, luck absolutely. getting them to pay the fine. Absolutely. I, I, I've often wondered how these things are set and what kind of metering is happening, what kind of timers are set, because you'll see these sprinklers go off on these campuses and, so, and people's lawns, too, individuals' lawns, at like <laughs> four in the afternoon in the summertime, right, at the heat, the height of the heat of the day, right? It's just water's like evaporating before it even lands on the grass. Um, and you just wonder, what, what is possessing you to, to do this now? What, what, are you even monitoring this at all? Do you even understand what's happening? Do you know that you're watering your park strip right now? Most people might not. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it's I'm absolutely going to be a past the buck situation. Oh, we didn't know. Oh, well, we didn't know. Oh, well, we didn't know. And someone knew. You know, we'll never, we may never find out. As long as the water gets shut off, though, that's probably the most important thing. But uh, they're going to start knocking on doors soon. Watch well, th- th- that's not going to really help, though, right? Like when, no. like when we were in a big park on O'Toole, big office park on O'Toole, that's a frontage road, frontage road along 880, off of North mm-hmm. First, kind of by Brokaw, where the old fries was over there. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't tell you, like, if they, if the grass was green in front of, like, where our office was and somebody from the city knocked on our door, I'd just be like, I don't know. Here's the here's the here's the property management's phone number. I don't turn on the the sprinklers. I don't. Yeah. This isn't not it's not my thing, bro. Like More I renters. I I totally agree with you. I don't think the water should be running. Nobody even like we don't like have a picnic out there. It's in front of our office. There's no use for the grass right. there except for it to look pretty. Right. And so right. it's going to be like a, it's going to be a situation where they're going to pass the buck, pass the bucket. Eventually, when the buck stops, it's going to be some lawyered up company that's just not going to pay the fine and isn't going to stop watering the lawn. Yeah, absolutely. And the no county is terrified. The, the county is terrified of those companies, probably. Oh, sure. They also have campaign contributions uh, that they make, too. So don't forget about that. Yeah. So like this, <laughs> 49ers. The Bucks, what's going to, they're going to like some, some poor maintenance guy for some, one of these places is going to be the fall guy. Right. And he's mm-hmm. like, gonna, he or she or whatever is going to be stuck, you know, with the city telling them one thing and then the property owner being like, well, we can't have the property look like shit because it's right. bad for business. And then they're stuck in the middle. Right. But what that person should do is, I don't know if they can just be like, well, that's great. I'm no longer your, I'm no longer your maintenance person. Water the lawn yourself, asshole. But uh, you know, bye m- bye. most people aren't in a position to really do that. Rent no, being what it not. is. Need, rent being. They kind of need. Yeah, they kind of need like three jobs to afford the rent. Right. So, so can't lose any one of them. So yeah, I I don't. Unfortunately, that's the easiest place to like cut water usage is going to be at businesses, and I think like some of these like like the smaller like like community like small like small strip malls or whatever are going to obey the rules because they're the land the people who own it are probably like local developers like you know 
little little place with like seven or eight shops and may, may, maybe seven or eight shops and a Safeway or whatever. They're gonna they're gonna obey the rules. But these yeah. massive office complexes where nobody that works there cares if the grass is green or brown, those are gonna be the places where where they're not gonna follow the rules. You know, when you go to the I guess this the Safeway might you know, it's they should still turn off the water, but they'd be like, hey, they have like a reason, be like, hey, it's better if it's inviting, right? They yeah. not that they shouldn't turn off the water, but they have more of an argument. Whereas an office park, nobody's shopping there; everybody's going yeah. there to work. And maybe people aren't so much going to work there anymore, right? At, at least not as often. Um, and but they can af- like the big companies also can afford the fines, right? If they actually decided to start fining people and start cracking down, they could afford the fine. Whereas a mom and pop or like someone, uh, you know, like you said, the owner of a, a small strip mall, right? They're not necessarily going to be able to afford that fine, right? Or, or even if they it, can't so afford gonna, it, they're going to comply. Even if they can't afford it, they don't want to afford it. Yeah. No. True. Very true. It's it's just another burden, right? So, uh, please, for the love of God, everyone. Turn the damn spigots off. Let save it go the water. For a minute. Save the water. Take save the water. Take 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 your shower. Do your thing. Like whatever. Yeah, we we we're down to like one shower a week. Most of it's because just timing. The the baby just uh, <laughs> demands. The baby demands, but it's also helping. We our water bill has been almost non-existent lately. So even with higher rates, so good enough. Yeah, I well, think the street I live on. Straight. Funny enough, there's not a lot of lawns. It's some a lot of rocks yeah, and stuff. It's, it's most, pretty cool. Mostly rocks and yeah, brown stuff and and native plants and whatnot. I've been over there. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty nice cool. neighborhood. That's pretty. It's pretty, it's pretty nice cool. It's, I I like just that's I just fine. noticed it the other day. I'm like, you know what? There are a lot of rock gardens here. Yeah, that's what we got. We've going on mostly in our front yard, and then we let the lawn go in the backyard. So we're still figuring out what to do. We'll probably do some uh, garden uh, gardening work and maybe some uh, some planter boxes, some vegetables. It'll be exciting. I'll, I'll send pictures. We're going to move on to Down Ballot Watch now. This is where we cover stories that are not just mostly political, but like completely 100% political. They're about local politics, local local governance, a lot of stuff about the police, a lot of stuff about the, the county and city government. And uh, up first, we got uh, San Francisco. We're going to go to San Francisco. They got a new DA. And apparently, as is sometimes the case, people don't like what the new DA is doing. Right. The new new DA. We heard this before. Jenkins, uh, Brooke Jenkins was appointed as San Francisco DA after voters overwhelmingly recalled Chesa Boudin back in May. She is running in the November election to keep her seat. Yeah, this is one of the policy changes that she has right. announced since getting into office. Now, some are skeptical about Jenkins' new approach to fentanyl dealers, including the Public Defender's Office. Anita Naba is managing attorney in the felony unit at the Public Defender's Office. Uh, thank you so much for being here. As we all know, the city is dealing with a drug overdose epidemic why is why is this not a good strategy i mean it's being used successfully elsewhere uh thank you for having me and you know i i would i would beg to differ about that last comment it has not been really used successfully elsewhere and there there are a lot of states that have pursued this failed experiment and are showing that these types of prosecutions don't deter they do not reduce the demand for drugs and they do not increase public safety um, the prosecutions aren't going to target the kingpins, the high-level dealers. What we're seeing in our courts day in, day out are the same um, vulnerable, poor, black and brown community members uh, that are relatively low subsistence dealers um, that are being prosecuted. I understand you, you also believe that, that a policy shift like this is likely to have some unintended consequences, including potentially deterring people from, from helping others who might need medical attention. Explain what your concerns are. 
Yes, I mean, I think that's true. I think that, you know, the, the idea that we're going to target high level dealers that are multiple levels removed from um, the person that is actually overdosing um, is just it's just unrealistic. And they know it's not true. Most likely the the people that get targeted are the people that are with the addicted person when they are sick, when they're overdosing and who are not going to want to call 911 or take someone to the hospital if they know that it's going to result in police scrutiny and police involvement. Not for nothing, real quick. Like, look at this uh, public defender's office. Like, she's got like a like a like a, a rolling closet behind her with her court clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. th- like she's probably sharing this office with another person. Like, sure. shout out to public defenders because this is a, probably a highly competent person that could be working at some law firm and has chosen to have a a rolling closet in a tiny office that she probably shares with someone else. So, shout out. And she's like, she appears, they, they said that she was like some mucky muck kind of in the public defender's office too. She was like higher up. So shout out yeah. to the people working in the public defender's office, like for real. Yeah, she's in the felony division. So she's leading a, a pretty much a whole the department of the department. Okay, but what about this idea that if you have someone who is selling fentanyl, those that look like candy or what have you to, to a teenager and that teenager dies, what is the, the, the problem with going after the person who sold that teenager that deadly lace drug? You know, it, it is, I've, I have seen the, the stories in the news and I am, I am the mother of two young children and I think it's absolutely tragic, um, the, the deaths that we have seen. Uh, but what, what we're seeing in the interim district attorney's policies is not a policy that's going to realistically target some of the extreme cases that we're following in the news. What we're watching every day in our courts is vulnerable indigent communities, black and brown people in the tenderloin who are largely selling drugs as subsistence dealers, some of them supporting their own drug habits, um, who who are being caught up, over-criminalized, and over-prosecuted in our system. Obviously, you you understand the court system better than most of us do. From from a practical standpoint here, how challenging is it going to be to actually prove that uh, this drug dealer sold the drugs that led to this person dying from an overdose? Do, do you? I think it's going to be extraordinarily yeah. challenging to to make that leap of connections. It's extremely attenuated. You know the the types of cases that we Ooh. see at 850 Brian on a day-to-day basis. And I, I think that it's political grandstanding. And while people in our communities want answers and want solutions, our clients who are dying on the streets want solutions, this is not where we should be targeting our very, very scarce resources. Okay, before I let you go, so you don't think that this would be enough of a threat to deter any sort of criminal behavior and prohibit those from dealing fentanyl? I don't. And I I think that this is we know this from 50 years of of living through the war on drugs, that ratcheting up penalties, escalating uh, jail time and prosecution has not been an effective deterrent to ending the public health crisis that we see in our streets. All right. We have to leave the conversation there. We appreciate your time. Anita Naba, managing attorney in the felony unit at the public defender's office in San Managing attorney in the felony unit. She's seriously. She's. Like shout out to shout out to whoever shout out to that lady. I, I didn't I forgot her name already, but like Anita Naba, Anita Naba, um, and yeah, shout out to her for the she had the you know the desk fan too, right? Like probably no AC in her office either, right? Uh, so she's rocking the desk fan on a eighty degree ninety degree day in San Francisco. So. 
yeah, more power to her and more, and God bless all the public defenders. Um, you know, I believe Tessa Boudin, who was the previous district attorney who was recalled was, uh, from the public defender's office originally. Um, one of our local former council members, now assembly member, uh, Ash Kara was a former, uh, public defender. And you can see the through line in their policy setting and their policy making too. that, that mentality of looking out for people and trying to defend the public. Right. You see that mentality. You do not see that in this, this current, as uh, I need to put it, interim district attorney. Um, this is more of that tough on crimes kind of attitude that you see from, you saw during the, the war on drugs. And it's for good reason. It's, to, it's designed to attract a certain populace to vote for you. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, is it really the right approach? Or again, who's going to have the political will to um, to be the true progressive and to, to look at this from a the ground level and you certainly you absolutely cannot l prosecute the drug dealer for the drug overdose are you kidding me like they're usually the dealers aren't the one producing the drug or you know or uh uh you know masterminding the entire operation right they're just a middleman or a middle and the, the the big traffickers are oftentimes like hooked in to the system in certain ways yeah, completely and, and they don't they're not going to get caught because they have the ability to not get caught because they don't ever, mm -hmm. never, never know where, where the money is. They're never know where, where the drugs are. They're Bribes. just, they're just, the, yeah. they're just the trafficker and they just like skim, yeah. skim some of the money off the top. And so, yeah. And that's, that's a, that's the, that's a, uh, I, I don't like the word good, but I guess it's a good place to be in that system because your hands never get dirty and it's harder to bust you. Yeah, and usually not black or brown, right? Those are the those are the white folk that are that are up up there, and then it's the it's she's exactly right. It's the black, black and the black and brown folk that are selling the drugs and doing the drugs and dying from the drugs, right? It, there's nothing good about this entire situation, um, and the, you're right. The only people that are making out are the people at the top. They're not good. They're not going to jail, and they're making plenty of money, tons more money than the drug dealers making, right? Drug dealers just subsiding, right? Like she said, this is this is substance uh, uh, kind of employment. Um, they're just making enough money to survive. The, the the cartels are making money hand over fist and people are dying. So, right. And it's just, what, it's always, there's always some panic, right? I don't know if you remember, there was a panic over um, uh, DXM for a while mm -hmm. because people were dying from mm -hmm. DXM because it was in ecstasy yeah. pills. And it's right. always something. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's at the production level where people are putting this or that into their, into their batch to make it stronger without having to produce, mm -hmm the more expensive uh, product that people are trying to purchase. Yep. And that's why we're talking, they're talking about rainbow fentanyl. Those are e-pills. And some of those e-pills sure. have fentanyl in them because some of the people making those e-pills are horrible people, but they're not the ones at the fucking party or on, they're not the ones they're fucking four degrees separated from, from the person even from the person who you even buy it from. Mm -hmm. So no, very true. It's, and like, it's incredibly fraught. Like climbing that and climbing that ladder by finding like the very person at the very bottom of that ladder is real tough. Absolutely, and no one's going to be willing to you know not many people are going to be willing to give up the next person up, right? They're right, because that's usually their friend. Based on fear, yeah, based on fear and friendship and loyalty and money. Woo! Well, we'd be following that, and, and like they said, the interim DA has to defend herself in a, an election coming up, but she doesn't have really strong opposition at this point. So more than likely, getting reelected. So we'll, this is not going to be the end of that story, though, guaranteed. Well, uh, coming back down to the South Bay and corruption in, in law enforcement, um, our sheriff is finally on trial um, in a corruption trial, which is not a criminal trial. Um, 
but uh, is uh, they're trying to take her down for um, a few things. And we're gonna, she's now in court and testimony is being heard. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. The first witnesses took the stand today in the civil corruption trial against the South Bay's top cop. This may not be a criminal trial, but the stakes are still high. If found liable, Santa Clara County's Lori Smith would be immediately removed from office and barred from holding any other public office again. NBC Bayer as Damien Trujillo was in the courtroom for the first day of testimony. Not many people in the gallery on this first day. Observers say the sheriff has a tough hill to climb because you only need nine of the 12 jurors to find her liable. Santa Clara County Sheriff walked into the courthouse alone this morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Inside the courtroom, jurors heard from this woman. Linda Wallace testified that she was secretary in the sheriff's office who processed CCWs or concealed weapon permits. Sheriff Lori Smith faces five counts of willful and corrupt misconduct for allegedly giving those permits to campaign donors or VIPs. Ma'am, what's it like to testify in front of the sheriff? I'm sorry, no comment. Sorry. Wallace said she created a spreadsheet with all the CCW applications that came in and believed only she and the public information officer handled those applications before the sheriff either approved or denied them. That public information officer is Sergeant Rich Glennon. Glennon told the jury that along the way, more people began handling those applications, including the sheriff herself, Lieutenant James Jensen, and Undersheriff Rick Sung. Both Sung and Jensen are now facing criminal charges connected to those accusations. Glennon testified that the applications the sheriff approved in his time there were mainly for VIPs like professional athletes and business owners. Sir, was that abnormal the way the CCWs were being processed during your tenure? I'm not going to comment. With the liable verdict, the sheriff, who is not running for re-election, would lose her job and would be barred from holding public office again. One court observer, who didn't want to be identified, said the trial is pointless. So far, what I've seen with the opening arguments and the court first observer. Witness, I would say that this is a big waste of time and this is going to come out a big nothing at the end of the day. Jaime Leanos is an expert in civil litigation and says it's not a waste of time for prosecutors. That if you do something wrong while you're in office, you will will be held accountable for your actions. Regardless of the fact that it's at the beginning of their career or the end of their career, the fact of the matter is when people make mistakes and they cross the line, uh, they're going to go after you. The trial is expected to last a month. Damien Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. I like the court observer. They were like, this is nothing's going to change. Yeah, <laughs> this is just, this is, there's nothing. I'm just here to like hang out and get some free coffee. I, I, um, I admire their cynicism, though. I mean, I, I think cynicism gets a bad rap, and I think cynicism is a good way through which to view the world. I, if, if it's almost the end of her career, she can't hold office again, do, and they didn't mention it. Do you know if, if she's going to still be able to pull a pension? Uh, that's a fantastic question. If she's convicted, I don't know. I would say no, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but she definitely will if she's not convicted. Um pretty hefty one too because the sheriff makes quite a bit of money and it's all based on your last year and years of service so and she's been there for uh i think four terms now so quite a while and she was a sheriff's deputy before so she's probably racked up a pretty decent pension well i think she was a deputy well we'll keep an eye on this i kind of am with the the cynical court, court observer who thinks nothing's going to happen um but yeah. it would be would be nice if something did happen because it might prevent people from doing this because it's it's kind of hard to get a concealed carry. And if like you have like, like let's say you're in a, a situation where you're being stalked 
or you're being maybe cyber stalked and you're worried about it escalating or you have a domestic abuse situation or whatever and you're trying to get that concealed carry because you're like you want to be able to maybe just maybe just the fact that the person stalking you knows that you have the concealed carry might prevent them from trying to inflict violence on you or whatever and then you find out that like some mucky muck at apple got it because they are you know a mucky muck at apple then you're going to be pissed sure absolutely i in in a way it has killed her political career right like she was going to run for re-election um and and stay in office ostensibly for a while um so this and other things have certainly conspired to kill her political career she backed out of the race right so mm-hmm. she has sort of she sort of tanked her own career um as it were as opposed to having to resign in disgrace because she just kept pressing and pressing the issue and i thought actually she would just keep pressing it so i was surprised that she did step down uh, at the end of the day um but yeah that that's that will maybe help a bit what would really help is sending some of these fuckers to jail at some point for doing crimes, right? Um, whether it's Donald Trump or it's all the way down to Lori Smith um, or uh, former Supervisor Shirakawa who was uh, left office in disgrace, other council members in San Jose who've left office in disgrace because of corruption. If they break the law, they should go. They should do the time or pay the fine, and that's what will really deter people. Uh, this this kind of thing will happen again, and it will happen again because people are stubborn and they figure, oh well, if it's not going to ruin my life. If all it does is kill my political career, career and that's the worst thing that happens, I'll be fine with that. You know, I'll have a good time. I'll be honorable for a few years. I'll, I'll get invited to all the parties, right? And at the end of the day, I can just retire and not really, you know, have too much of a blemish on my on my uh, tombstone. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move up the peninsula to Daly City, where it appears that uh, there was an assault that happened against a, a, council, a council member, and the assault was apparently perpetrated by um, a council member. Seems correct. Seems correct. Seems, seems bad. Let's see. Let's see what's going it on seems, here. It, very down ballady. Daly City Council Member Jocelyn Manolo says the incident happened in one of the conference rooms in City Hall just a few hours before the City Council meeting this Monday. She says Council Member Pam Di Giovanni was in a room by herself when Jocelyn walked in. It was really quick, and she said, "I'm in a meeting," and that's when she had. Um, slammed a door on me. Manalo says she was stunned and walked to the city manager's office nearby. They called paramedics. Manalo shared this photo. She says paramedics provided the sling and wheelchair while in transit to nearby Seton Hospital because she was complaining about arm and back pain. Manalo says she was in the hospital for four hours and says the whole situation is still a shock. I just couldn't believe I was in that moment. I could not believe that, you know, I had had been attacked by a colleague. During Monday night's council meeting, Manalo publicly raised the accusation of the assault. Di Giovanni responded. I vehemently deny that I did anything to assault and that all this is politically motivated because I would never do such a thing. The Daly City Police Department has confirmed it is investigating. Manalo has since hired an attorney who sat with her through our interview. She says all options are on the table for possible civil action against Di Giovanni. But this is not the first time the two have crossed paths. Last year, when Manalo was mayor during a heated council meeting, Di Giovanni accused her of a conflict of interest while working with the group teaching AAPI community members self-defense. It's a conflict of interest. It has nothing to do with the actions. You don't don't cut me off. Manalo shared a document from the State Fair Political Practices Commission advising her they found no reason to pursue any action against her in this incident. She also described what she claims are two other heated exchanges over the last four years. This abuse from Ms. Di Giovanni has 
happened over time. And I, it has come to a point where it has been violent. And that's why I'm speaking out. We've reached out to council member Di Giovanni multiple times through text and phone to talk about Monday's incident and prior interactions with council member Manalo. So far, no response. Di Giovanni is currently up for re-election. Manalo says she has endorsed three of her opponents who are all running for at-large positions on the city council. In Daly City, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. <clears throat> so yeah, you don't like you don't slam the door on somebody, like, on them. No, that's probably not advisable. I've had many doors slammed in my face, like, metaphorically speaking, but never on my face. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's, you gotta be, you gotta be mindful of that and just be, be thoughtful, a little more thoughtful, especially in public spaces. Um, doesn't seem, seems like the Ms. Giovanni is kind of a bull in the china shop anyway, so um, I'm not surprised that this, this kind of thing happened. Is it, you know, and if, and the question comes up, you know, is it legit or is it overreacting at the end of the day if you feel threatened you know if you feel threatened then you are threatened right from my perspective right so you just got you got to accept that and just say like look this that this woman felt threatened whatever it was and she felt assaulted um so you have to take that for what it's worth and and, and start with that as your baseline right um, and but yeah like the, the 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 appropriate thing to do if that happens and you think it's a misunderstanding is to be like well i think this is a misunderstanding and it would be okay if we if we talked about this like sometime. yeah let's Let's hash it. Let's hash it out. Let's chop it up, right? Let's figure it out. Let's go have coffee, coffee chat. Council members do that all the time. Coffee chats with their constituents. What's really a shame, though, is that like, um, you know, with all the threats and vitriol coming out our public officials every day, right? Like it was just on the news that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez spends like hundreds of thousands of dollars every year on just security for herself, right? Um, the, uh, because of all the threats that she faces every day. Um, and it goes all the way down to school board. They're, they're getting death threats every day. I know a friend on school board who gets death threats in email, right? Or, uh, in phone every day. Um, it, it, it's a shame that this is happening <laughs> between colleagues, right? And, uh, a fellow council person, um, uh, basically, uh, confronting and, and threatening and, and intimidating, uh, another, another colleague. That's awful. Um, we deal with it enough with the constituents, right? Let's, let's try and keep things on the dais. Um, cool. Um, but speaking of the dais and, and constituents and trying to keep things cool, um, producer Dave, I'm super impressed that you were monitoring San Jose public comment today. Um, and we have this lovely, uh, closing coda. We can even do, make, make this another thing if you want to, I don't know if we necessarily have to do the other story, but um, so yeah, we're, we're a little, we're a little long. We don't have a live show tonight, but I feel like the show's going a little long. So maybe we'll do this for, and another thing. Shout out to the media wench actually for finding this for me. Very nice. Yeah, this is perfect. This is a perfect coda to the show. So, if we want to run this, this is the, today's final public comment from today's city council meeting in San Jose um, with a frequent flyer, someone who's been trying to, I think, make a name for themselves uh, in these spaces. So, let's let it roll. Walking down the stairs. Yeah. Walking, oh, up the, I'm, walking up I'm to the walking up to the wait, uh, sir, 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 you sir, no, no, sir, sir, don't, don't. So sir, for podcast don't listeners, that person just walked up to somebody at the the main desk for the city council people, and you're not supposed to do that. Right. And uh, he, he approached the city council. Yeah. Then Sam Licardo was like, "Sir, sir, sir, sir." I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm yeah, can you just stand at the mic? That'd be great. I didn't know. I, okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. No problem. I apologize. All right. So been here for 33 years. I've never been here in, in, in this location. 
I went to the state of the city address and I saw you mayor and you guys are, I thank you guys for everything that you're doing for the city. Cause we need you guys and we need more people participating. Okay. I was my first time I went to the state of the city address and it was amazing. I ran into all kinds of great people, but then I saw an article on Reddit and it said the three slowest cities to recover from the shutdown is San Jose, San Francisco and LA. And I think, you know, San Jose deserves better. And I've got a plan for that. I, you know, we're the largest city in the, in the Bay Area. We're the most beautiful. We're the safest out of all three. And I think it needs a marketing plan. I told you that the other day, a week or two ago. And I've got that. You know, we're the self-proclaimed city, our capital of Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Was that passed a law or anything? No, it was, I think it was just self-proclaimed. I think we should be now the San Jose Bay Area, right? Why can't we be the San Jose Bay Area? They've got a Gold Gate Bridge. The cards, I don't know if you can pass those out, um, but we've got Sandra Day O'Connor in the clouds, in the sky. She's amazing. You know what? She swam with the sharks. She swam with the sharks. She's an amazing woman. Set precedences. I've got images in the clouds of a shark above her, okay? It's amazing what, what God has given me in the clouds after waking up from an 18-year um, depression. It's amazing. I, I have got ideas that I think will put San Jose back on the map. I just need to know who to talk to. That's it. Okay? Thank you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And I'm Thank you very I much. I didn't know the protocol. No worries. Have a great day, sir. All right, the meeting's adjourned. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. You know what, though? That seemed like a nice enough person, right? He genuinely wants to help. He's got a marketing plan. He wants to... I, I, I love the gall of like just saying, like, fuck it, let's just call it the San Jose Bay, right? Forget San Francisco. We're the big dog. San Jose Bay Area. I like that. I think that could stick. Um, maybe. Uh, no, but I definitely we, like his fashion sense. The jacket was fabulous. The jacket was great. What we would need here first would be some goddamn entertainment, honestly. That, that that would be a good start. Um, he's very entertaining himself, so maybe maybe he wants we can start with him. I did see him at the city of the city. I was at the city of the city address. I do remember seeing that guy. I had no idea who he was, but now I know. It's fabulous. Um, so maybe he'll show up some more at uh, council meetings now that he's found where to go um, after his 33 years in San Jose. So, um, <laughs> with more like him, with more people like him, I, I was tempted. I, I half thought he might announce he was running for office. He's a little late to file, but he could do a writing campaign, I suppose, but we need more people like him that in public service, I think, who who have genuinely care with almost a childlike kind of passion um, for for, uh, for making our city better. So with that, I think we can we can safely wrap up the show for this week. Yep. Thanks everybody for tuning in to Down Ballot. We do the show live most weeks. This is uh this week was a record only seven thirty p.m. Pacific. Twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Check out our swag shop at uh eplex dot shop. And uh, we'll see everybody get faxed. Get get get, get faxed. We'll see everybody. Got my we'll see everybody next week. <laughs> <laughs>
Harlem Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We now get the fuck up on stage and like the scene Just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing, you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and Enjoy the band, enjoy that band Last up on the field for the show tonight It's down me dirty and five, so we're headed outside Just spark up another joint, now who's got my light? A stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is, is that I don't think logically Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside, motherfuckers is rocking me and outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocky the Rolly, all that sexy girl be jockin' me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily. We do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Dance with the band and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Sit back and enjoy the 
Have you been shadow banned by the liberal media? Free market got you down? Do you get ratioed on every Twitter post because of your shit takes on literally everything? Then producer Dave and HK are probably watching your three-hour dissertation on how a tomato cannot possibly be a fruit because gender and critical race theory can be cured with ivermectin. The Intellectual Dollar Tree, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Please leave it a one-star review on iTunes. Check out the rest of our schedule at ecoplexmedia.com.